Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. And welcome to Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio theater. Tonight is episode 553. I'm Jack Ward with the world-weary, I'm assuming, David (laughs) Alt. Welcome back, David. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Oh, it's good to have you back. We missed you. <laughs> I was only for one week, Jack. It, was, it wasn't so bad. Well, that's true, but every little week can make a difference. And the, and the <laughs> fact of the matter is that even though we had you on the air for the show, you had been running back and forth. You didn't really have more relaxed schedule of being able to record from your, your sunny home in northern England, right? Yes, that's very true. Very true. Well, uh, the No Sleep Podcast uh, Sleepless Live Tour 2018 is now at an end. uh, And it was a fantastic time, albeit a very tiring one. (laughs) So over the course of four weeks, we traveled 9,500 miles. Wow. And more. Um, All running. So that, (laughs) yeah, all running. Absolutely. (laughs) That's right. Uh, uh, Which averages out to about 350 miles a day. Wow. And if you um, take into account that a couple of those days we didn't do any traveling at all. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, there, there were the odd 12-hour days of 500 miles or so getting around the, the the US. Wow. We didn't really have a lot of time to do much in the way of sightseeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did manage to see the backside of the Statue of Liberty as we drove past from New Jersey up to New York City. You'd think they'd cover um, that up. <laughs> you would have thought so, yes. It, it's the new administration, it must be. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> flashing of the Statue of Liberty. Exactly, wanting liberty to be seen by all. That's um, right. <laughs> so uh, what, what yeah, are some but, of the high points for you? I know every oh, every place was wonderful, but what are some of the ones that stick out in your oh, mind? Oh, we, we had the best audiences. Everyone that came to see us was so lovely. Um, standout audiences uh, were... Uh, Oakland mm. was was a really good audience. Uh, Portland set us off really well. Wow. Denver, Colorado was absolutely incredible. That was a new place for this year. Uh, and they were really loud and it was a really excellent setting. It was actually a rock venue. So we had these massive speakers for for the very best of the subwoofers. Wow. So that, that, that meant all of the, the really deep, thunderous bass was, <laughs> was really felt in a very visceral way. Milwaukee was this beautiful old ballroom which had been turned into a stage. It actually had a raked stage and it was, oh, it was gorgeous. Fantastic. Chicago, always a good, 
always a good spot. They were they were brilliant last year. They were brilliant this year. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Our last stop was they they were so enthusiastic. It was our biggest crowd, so loud, so welcoming. A real real southern welcome in Atlanta. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's great. So many places that stood out. Uh, but were there any yeah. fun uh, moments between the cast? Any interesting conversations in the van that you that you can share? <laughs> oh, oh, you're putting me on the spot there, Jack. I, I, I swore to secrecy. I think were some you? Of the, yeah, <laughs> what happens on the van stays in the van. Uh, I think probably the best the best thing was, and and this has actually been reported since, was uh, you know how last year I started getting the the rest of the cast uh, accustomed to Britishisms. Yes. So it's not the stovetop, it's the hob. Right. It's not arugula, it's rocket salad, <laughs> uh, and, and so on and so forth. But one of the, the, the real good one that I got that both Erica and I managed to um, hammer into, in, into everyone was cashew. Not cashew, <laughs> cashew. but cashew. Sounds so, like a sneeze. Um, there was a cashew, cashew. bar. Excuse me. <laughs> exactly, yes. Because <laughs> um, I'm right. uh, And so we we had sort of snack bars, and the ones that were the favorites were the cashew bars. Nice. So um, we, we were saying, because uh, they were my favorite, uh, so I'd say, can I have a couple of cashews, please? <laughs> uh, and we said it so much that, uh, and, and this, as I say, has been reported on Slack channel <laughs> since... Uh, the the American saying, I don't know how to say cashew anymore. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> so I was I was very pleased at that. <laughs> Making Brits one person at a time, David Alt. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so obviously such a success. So how many different places are you going next year? Oh, well you'd have to ask David Cummings about that. That's uh... So he is already pumped for a third, is he? Uh, I I couldn't possibly comment. Oh. Okay. I, I can neither confirm nor deny anything, mostly because I don't know. <laughs> oh, I thought you were being coy. <laughs> when you're Would just I ever be-, be coy, Jack? <laughs> In all the years you've known me. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> So how was the ride back in the plane? Oh, sleepless, as you might expect. From a podcast, of course. From a podcast, yes. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, to be honest, I didn't have an awful lot of sleep throughout the tour, and then the the plane ride back was similarly sleepless. Even though, oh, excuse me, you're getting Ooh. tired now. Mm. <laughs> Even though uh, it was an overnight flight and it wasn't a very well populated one, the, the place that I was sitting unfortunately had armrests that were fixed in place, so there was no no way of stretching out over several seats, which was a little bit unfortunate. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, but yeah, I got back and and I've spent the last few days just resting, recuperating. It didn't help that we lost an hour at the weekend. Yes, but there we go. That's mm-hmm. right. And uh, oh, and, it's, wow. and it's been and the new member of the cast. How did she enjoy the? Oh, she dish? loved it, and everyone loved her. Of course, she, she brought a wonderful wealth of professionalism mm. to the tour because she's done a lot of touring uh, on with various uh, productions across the UK. And yeah, Erica was utterly fantastic, and it was an absolute pleasure to have her on tour with us. 
Oh, that's exciting. She very, very quickly became uh, a central member of the if, team. If there's a chance, she would like to come back then herself. Uh, I'm sure she would love to, but Good. she's got children. And, it, and I know oh, that yes. it, was a, it was a huge wrench for her to be away, both for Mother's Day, the, the British Mother's Day. And, oh, when um, is the British Mother's Day? It's the fourth Sunday in Lent. So oh, okay. it was the, uh, the 11th of March. Gotcha. This year. Yeah, so she was away for that and her birthday as well. So that was it was, it was difficult being away from family for those two. But, uh, I was thinking of you when I was on, I was on stage too for oh, yes. St. Paddy's Day. Did you, know, <laughs> did you know that? I didn't know that, uh, no. Yes, well, St. Patrick's Day, two weeks beforehand, I got, I got a, a message in Facebook from Andrew Allenbach, one of the locals here who is uh, involved in a lot of stuff. One of the things being he does ghost tours just like you have in the past. Ah. He does them in Halifax. We're going to try and get him to come for MadCon, and I think he's all excited for that. He and his wife are sort of big wigs in a group here called the Jules Verne Fantastical Society, and they do fundraisers every once in a while. And every, you know, every week or every month, a couple of times a month, they end up going to a library reading something classical, 19th century literature pulpish. Mm. And so that's one of the things that they do. So they decided they were going to have a St. Patrick's Day cabaret. And so they had a, a great group of people and they asked us to do a show. And Andrew originally said, can you do like 15 minutes? And I'm like, uh, no, I really can't bring five or six actors up just to do 15 minutes of something that, you know, I've got to <laughs> do at least a half an hour kind of thing. So we ended up uh, finding a script of... Uh, my friend Irma, which was St. Patrick's Day of all times. So it was perfect. So I did a little bit of script doctoring and and updating it slightly. And then we called back the same people who played in the first My Friends Irma to a Sonic Summerstocks ago and had Ah. a reunion of the cast. And uh, I did mostly, I did all the sound effects and just a small... Uh, character voice in there. And it went over great. We had a a super... uh, reaction from folks a lot of people some of the people in halifax hadn't heard of what we do and uh oh, what how, how do the people of halifax not know about the sonic society jack it's my it's my brilliant ability to market um <laughs> <laughs> my marketing is i have the best marketing i have marketing just like ibm somebody used to say you know how to get rid of drugs in america give the job of marketing to ibm <laughs> and make them legal and nobody will know enough to buy them so i don't market locally most of my most of my commercials and stuff are beyond that so there's lots of people in halifax who don't know what we are and it's always nice when they find us and and find it very exciting so we had a lot of fun with that and we're working on doing some more live shows my father is putting the finishing touches on the magic box Mm. i don't know if i sent you pictures but i will certainly do if i haven't yes please send them to me and that's going to be our practical magical box that we'll use for practical effects when we do live shows and so uh keith morrison who's done live shows with me before is has been working deftly on on a number of different live shows he's he's got the live radio drama bug mm. and doesn't want to do anything else he used to do a ton of different other shows but just loves the the setup of radio drama so he's going to be doing a bunch of shows and uh, we're going to work together in a bunch of stuff too so it'll be a lot of fun fantastic just as a quick addendum to your not being known in Halifax, what was quite funny was that uh, people were asking whilst on the tour, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I'm, I'm a maths tutor. I, I, I go around and, and tutor maths and physics and, and the sciences. Uh, and I, I joked that I would be going from 
signing hundreds of autographs back to complete obscurity, just showing people how to do trigonometry and stuff. <laughs> and uh, today, whilst working with one of my students, I, I uh, he asked me about the tour, and I said, "Oh yeah, yeah. So it's nine and a half thousand miles of driving over four weeks, and audiences between 150 and 315." And you could see his jaw start to drop. And then I said, <laughs> "Yeah, there was uh, there was lots of autographs," and he went, "What?" And so what was it you were doing? And I said, well, it's the No Sleep podcast. And, and all right, what kind of a podcast is it? It's a horror fiction podcast and we get 100,000 downloads every week. And, and he said, 100,000 downloads every week? What? And, and, and he, he just couldn't really comprehend the idea of a, of a maths tutor being famous for podcasting. <laughs> I, yeah, I get that w- with my students when I talk about the Sonic Society. And this, well, how many Twitter followers do you have? About twenty-one thousand, twenty-two, twenty-two thousand followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a fair amount. We're pretty lucky that way. So, um, yes. you know, hopefully, we're, we're uh, we did have some sound issues because of, of what they had in the system. We may end up re-recording uh, what we did for St. Patrick's Day for mm. Sonic Summerstock. Uh, either way, you'll hear it in Sonic Summerstock two thousand eighteen. I look forward to it. Yes. And speaking of Sonic Summerstock 2018, <clears throat> I know a certain Mr. Peter Lutz has, Ooh. like, worked on... He's wants, he wants to do, like, four or five uh, entries this year. He's all oh, excited, which is amazing. Brilliant. Which is yes. absolutely amazing. So I'm so excited to hear what Pete and uh, Narada Radio has for us this year. I oh, also know fantastic. that uh, the Amigos are, are working on stuff as well, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that uh, there'll be a couple of other... Uh, local favorites. I know I can grab John Bell to do something for that too. That'll be great. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the Amigos, while we're talking about stuff, we just finished uh, releasing last week a show that I got to pick, which was Luke Slaughter of Tombstone, which if you'll remember the original Sonic Echo series, that was one of the I, I the remember, pilot yes. of that. We looked at yep. another episode that I was very excited. And this month coming up in April, we're going to take a listen to Nightbeat, which is another excellent old-time radio show. So be prepared for that the three amigos lothar jeffrey and myself for those things looking forward Moving to on it. to other stuff evp just released a short called pets you'll find that on the evp podcast on thursday and up and coming in the next couple of weeks we'll try and find a place to slide it into the sonic society that's a 15 minute mm-hmm. uh wavefront anthology short and stars Michael McQuilkin, as well as Rich Wentworth from the Hadron Gospel Hour, and produced by Rich Froelich from Texas Radio Theater. So a lot of all-stars putting that one together. I'm really excited how it came out. I'm looking forward to getting it on EVP podcast this Thursday. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be downloading that as, as soon as it comes out. I've finally been able to find the EVP feed, and I've been listening through them. Oh, good. How far through are you? There's 60-odd up now. I've cleared the backlog now. I, I had oh, a, lot of, a lot of sleepless nights to be able to go through. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any that stuck out for you that you hadn't heard before or that you remembered? <clears throat> It was really interesting hearing the original Soul Survivor. Yes. And I do love your Seven Deadly Sins series in in general anyway. Well, we're thinking of uh, redoing Soul Survivor yet one more time. And I was uh wondering, would you you prefer your version of it like the 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 clipped version that went down to about 30 minutes or the longer version which was about 45 or so i I think that we managed to get 
everything that we needed to. It was very, it was nice and concise with the thirty-minute version. I think so too. Yeah. So that's cool. Very cool. All right. Well, well, that's the one we'll, we'll hit for next. We have, <laughs> haven't finished that one yet. So there's more EVP stuff on the way, of course, and mm-hmm. we're very excited to see that come through as it does. I know we've been gritting our teeth waiting for for a long time now. The show that you're in, uh, which is the most most dangerous game. Yes. And uh, yes. I know Scott is working. Scott Mosher is working on that as well. I'm very excited to see how that works. You know, when people are doing this on their own part time, you never know, right? Oh, how I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Still waiting for Pete O'Malley to get us the, the latest uh, Biff Straker as well. So there's yes. there's a lot of hold on. King on, I've <laughs> talked to um, some people about doing proximity. So because that script is all done, we're going to try and record those either in the early days of the summer. They're, they're just very short scripts. They're only about eight nine pages a script and so this season i'm hoping to try a little something different in my writing repertoire and that will be a lot of fun to get that out and we'll talk more about that when that's uh, i'm going to start editing that one that's going to be my my baby to edit for the summertime my summer editing project so that'll be kind of fun madcon Mm -hmm. is on Mm -hmm. the website (laughs) is still being developed that's the hard part Uh, we've already started i mean we've we've fully booked the place while i was in portland i spoke to pam getchell about everything that's going on and uh, yeah I, I got to uh, travel around with her and um, see where Byron's Tower is nice. Byron's Rose Garden yeah and, and we talked MadCon so oh uh, that's wonderful I, I'm very jealous I haven't met Pam yet and I'm, I look forward to <laughs> oh, it oh she's lovely of course she is she's really lovely <laughs> <Yes>. absolutely <laughs> so those are the the main highlights of what uh, are going down in the Sonic Society realm right now. Do you have any projects mm-hmm. on the go for yourself? My main project at the moment is, uh, well, my main projects are the, the day job, so getting all of my students through the exams in May and June, and then it's just onwards with my uh, audiobooks, Yay. the the audiobook series from the Idris Shah Foundation. Nice. So that's, that's what is taking my time at the moment. Well, before we listen to the show, we have a little message from a well-known listener. Hey, Jack, David, and members of the society. This is your friendly neighborhood, Matt. And I am sending this, or recording this, on January 4th, 2018. Holy cow. And I'm just reporting in to let you know that I'm running fearfully, horribly behind on my Sonic Society episodes. And I just got to say the reason why is because last one I listened to was Wolf 359. And now I am totally addicted to it. And uh, I don't think I can listen to anything else till I finish it. So that's kind of insane. Um, it's It, it was really kind of interesting at first when I was listening to it at the start, it reminded me a lot of um, Frequency of Fear with the the zombie astronaut. And then it really kind of blossomed into something much different. It turned into this big, huge, epic space drama. And it's it's incredibly cool, and I'm, I'm loving every moment of it, and I can't wait to finish it. Well, actually... I can't wait to finish it because once it's done, it's done because it uh, it wrapped up this year. So insane. But um, that's 
pretty much it. So uh, keep on casting, and I'll catch up with you guys later. All right. Take it easy. Bye. I have to apologize first, Matt. That was recorded way back, like, a month or two ago, and for some reason, I lost that recording. Uh, I thought I had it on another computer, uh, just a bunch of things. So thank you so much, Matt, for sending yes, in. I don't you. feel so nearly as badly as Matt was saying to us all that he is behind in his listening and just got caught up listening to Wolf 359 and really, really enjoyed uh. it. Now he has to catch up on all those shows. So I'm hoping you're still behind, Matt, <laughs> And when you get this, it won't feel nearly as slighted. So I, I thank you so much. Call in again. I promise we'll get you in as soon as we possibly can. Yes, Some definitely. shows, as you know, we have more time than others. <laughs> I literally have to sort of break out some stuff so what we can have a little bit of time to vamp. Yeah. Because I could just fill hours and hours of brand new radio drama and not talk at all. Absolutely, and that yes. would be just fine. But I, I really do love the time that we get a chance to connect. Yes. And tonight... We're lucky to have parts one and two of Josh Price's Kingdom of Darkness. Ooh. It's absolutely a labor of love, and it all begins right here. On the Sonic Society. So good to have you back. <laughs> the story I must recite is not an easy one to tell. It is not a fairy tale with a knight in shining armor who defeats the evil warlord. At times, it is not even easy to determine what is good and what is evil. I suppose that is mostly open to opinion. The night of the attacks is the best place to begin. For one night, in the kingdom of Anastrof, a quiet and prosperous province in the heart of Europe, an abandoned and forgotten past would return to threaten a kingdom who had long ago cast that past into the mists of legend. Rayonte, Emperor Vachon's best warrior, had been sent out to investigate what the commoners had claimed to be cloaked demons stalking about the outskirts of the kingdom at night. Listen, Rente, and listen well. Not even you, the protector of Anastroph, can stop what is about to happen. The cloaked demon, as he was called at the time, thought himself the victor of the struggle. Holding a knife to Riante's throat, his arrogance was his weakness. Within seconds, Riante had the roles reversed and held the cloaked figure down. Of what do you speak? You and everyone else in Anastroph will know in time. To Riante's astonishment, his adversary dematerialized before his eyes. Regaining his composure, he jumped on his horse and rode quickly away, back to the castle to report to his beloved emperor, unaware that the threat was worse than any of them knew, and unaware that the enemy he had just fought had already gained a foothold within the castle walls. Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind presents Kingdom of Darkness, Arc 1, The Legend of Kintalia. 
Emperor Vershan, you have sent for me? Yes, Nelith. I have sent Rionti on a special mission. It's very important I speak to him when he returns. Might I inquire the nature of this mission? Very well, if you agree not to utter a word to anyone. As you wish, sire. For the past few weeks, hooded figures have been stalking around on the outskirts of my kingdom. Commoners have been attacked and killed. I have been warned that these men would be out tonight, and I have sent Rionti to take care of them. Tell me, sire, who has foreseen this? A powerful seer and her cousin. Two women? Yes. Does that pique your interest? Oh, sire, I am, of course, only concerned for the safety of Anastrof. Now, what did you say the two women's names were again? Sage and Adrian. You should have sent me with Rente. I could have helped. Don't forget your place, Nalith. You are the castle's guard, not the warrior. Yes, sire. You know what I wish of you, Nalith. Now be gone. As you wish, sire. Don't you remember what I told you? I told you not to go outside unless you had to. I had to. That is, if you want to force her, anyway. You should have woken me up. Honestly, Sage, I was only gone for a moment. There's someone out there that wants to kill me, and I don't want them to kill you to get to me. What are we going to do? In those years, Sage's mind was never at ease, and always a step or two ahead of Adrian's. Not that Adrian was at all without wit, you see. She was just not as skilled at the ways of magic as Sage, and was thus not troubled by premonition or omens. But nonetheless, Adrian followed Sage's gaze to the shelf containing the candles, and array of herbal supplies. Are you sure you want to do that? I mean, do you really want to know? There's only one way to find out. You go start our circle. I'll get the candelabra. All right, Sage. If I don't wake before the sun begins to set, wake me. Though Sage's skill was greater than Adrian's, she still was untrained to the ways of divination. She did in fact send herself into a trance at that moment. But what she saw there was muddled, bits of truth, moments out of context. Her own interpretations and reactions to her vision would bring to fruition what destiny would have for us all. But it was a destiny none involved were ready for. What exactly did she see, you ask? The details were never made clear. She, of course, saw Rayante fighting the cloaked demon. She then saw him speaking with a woman everyone feared. The evil sorceress that Enestroff considered legend 
She saw Rayante murdering the Emperor. And finally, she saw Rayante slit her own throat, while Adrian was helpless to do anything to stop him. While Sade was in her trance, Adrian sat across from her and watched with obvious anticipation. That man, who wants to kill me? He's also after the Emperor. His name is Riante, and he works with the woman the Old Ones speak of. Who? What woman? Kintalia. Alright, you stay here. I've got to go warn the Emperor. Meanwhile, in the forest of the Shaman, the place I called home then as proudly as I do now, our leader, Sayeta, could feel the danger that was about to happen to us all. She could feel Sage calling upon her power. She knew too that Sage's lack of training in the art of magic would mislead her, and so she sent for me. You sent for me? What are you doing? Looking. Looking for what? The answer. The answer to what? We do not know how to act when we see our leader like this. Have the others spoken out about this? No, they have not. They don't have to. Then say nothing to them. And do not worry about me. I do have the feeling that something is wrong. But there is no need to worry the others until... until I know what it is. As you wish, of course, Sayata. Was there not some other reason you summoned me? And so began my involvement with the events surrounding Riante, Emperor Vashon and the legend of Kintalia. You have been listening to Kingdom of Darkness, Arc 1, The Legend of Kintalia, Episode 1. Written, directed, and produced by Joshua J. Price. Additional sound engineering by Tanya Milevich. This episode featured the voice talents of Tanya Milevich as Mavikin, Nicole Robinson as Sage, Serena Carroll as Adrian, Amanda Furr as Sayeta, Matt Weller as Riante, Seth Bramwell as Nilith, Deborah Adams as Kentalia, and special guest star Terry Cooper as Emperor Virshan. Terry's a published author and does some really great work. You should check his work out at Amazon.com and Audible. Wallers include Joshua Price and Jack Ward. Royalty-free music was obtained from composers Kaya Hartwig and Kevin McLeod. The theme, Whales and Riders, by Kai Hartwig, Round Drums and Serpentine Trek by Kevin McLeod. Sound effects were obtained from The Free Sound Project, Sound Dogs, and Sound Snap. Other sound effects were self-produced. This radio drama falls under the 3.0 Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. This has been a Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind production. Without and within, the world was dying. 
the brazen base races of man gave birth to ages where greed for gain and violence flourished, where honor and nobility were profaned, while lies and unrestrained consumption were made sacred. Scars covered the mother of thunder. What once was wild was now tamed and sickened. The light of the unconquered sun turned bloated and red, and its blood flowed freely. And mankind continued to hasten its own death. Amidst the obsidian towers, hoar-haunted wastelands, and shadowed tombs of this aged world, those who looked behind the tattered sorrows woke to the sounds of steel on steel, and knew now was the time when mankind would either fall to its own insignificance or become as them, beyond the boundaries of dualities, freed from the shackles of their baseness and their forgotten nobility. Without and within, the world was dying, and among the daughters, crimson things began to move. What do you want from me, Lorak? Just a sorcerer. <laughs> Nothing more. I'm a bone master. What part of necromancer confuses you? Axelrak, what the hell are those? Blood silks. There are as many of them as all the people you've killed in your life. This isn't good. I think a finger bone will do very nicely here. Don't try talking to me, you evil demon spawn. I'm protected by the harbingers. No one said death was fair. The storm might be a problem, though. The storm? Yes, there are things in the storm, but it might cover our tracks as well. It is a ghost storm, isn't it? Horrible gods and the sorrows! I... Some of us see opportunity in what is forbidden. The tattered sorrows weep here. Only those belonging to the crimson tatters. Before we fall, we'll make them terrified of us. You sound like you have a plan. Tell me you have a plan. You said you hoped I'm as good as they say I am. Well, here's where you find out. Ha! Broken Sea Audio presents The Sword of the Crimson Tatters, an original sword and sorcery audio drama created and produced by Lothar Tuppen. Only at BrokenSea.com. The Emperor needs you inside. What for? I don't know, but we'd better go find out. Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind presents Kingdom of Darkness, Arc 1, The Legend of Kintalia.
Once Sayeta had shared with me all she knew, and blessed me with the honor of being her apprentice, she left our forest and went to the home of Sage and Adrian, a meeting I'm sure she was apprehensive about. Not that she would ever have shown it, of course. Adrian, I need to talk to you. Come in. It's about the dreams that Sage has been having. Sage's dreams? Sayeta. How do you know about those dreams? All my life, you have held knowledge of what is happening around me. I know you knew my mother, and we get our gifts from our mothers. But how do you always know what's happening? How can we use our gifts? Adrian. Sayeta, who are you? I must know the answer. I was wondering when you were going to ask at last. I saw a flash of your mother in your eyes just now. You know, you should be proud. Don't deflect, just answer me. It's quite a long story. I suppose the first question to answer is how I know you and your mother. She was a wonderful woman, strong, compassionate and easily loved. We were in the same tribe of shaman women. We lived in the woods and studied ancient magics. But your mother, as well as Sage's mother, were two of the strongest women in the tribe. It is, as you said, from them that you got your gifts. Not long after your second birthday, one of the wise ones had a vision. She saw the birth of a baby boy who would bring down the village of Anastrov. The wise ones decided that the one way to save the village would be to kill the child. Briante? Yes, your mother and Sage's mother protested, saying that they couldn't kill a child just for the possibility that it may be dangerous in the future. But the wise ones were not to be reasoned with. Under the cover of night, Sage's mother left, saying that she wanted more for her daughter than to be raised by a murderer. Your mother sent you along with her. She was a woman of duty, and she knew if she was told to do something, then it was best that she do it. The next morning, when the wise ones found out what had happened in the night, they apprehended and killed your mother for the crime of treason. Get out. The look of shock that must have been on Sayata's face at Adrian's demand, for Adrian knew not the disrespect she was showing. She knew nothing of our people, our ways, of the true nature of her heritage. 
Being the sort of woman Sayata was, rather than arguing or trying to reason with her, she simply obeyed and left. She knew Adrian would come round in time. I fear I would not have handled that situation as gracefully as she did. Did you not hear me? I said get out! You think you can make a difference by coming here and helping me, but you cannot. You watched them kill my mother, and now, now you'll watch me kill Riante. Get out! Where do you think you're going? I need to see the Emperor. He isn't available to the commoners right now. This is important. Look, lady, he is consulting with the personal protector of Anastroph. They are dealing with a matter that is beyond your comprehension. The village is under attack by hooded figures that go about by the cloak of the woods. I am Sage, the Emperor's personal consultant, and I need to see him now. He gave me direct orders not to be disturbed. You aren't listening. I've had a very powerful vision and I need to see Vershan now! Oh, very well. Come with me. Is something wrong, miss? Are you alright? You bastard! What are you doing? What am I doing? He's the one I came to talk to you about. He's the one I've had visions of killing me and then killing you. Sage, release him. He is one of the kingdom's best warriors. No, I've told you this before and I'll tell you again now. I've seen our deaths and it's at his hand. I don't even know you. Why would I want to kill you? And as for him, I risk my life for him and this kingdom every single day. Why would I want to kill him? I took an oath of loyalty for this kingdom and never would I betray it for anyone. So whatever you think you know is wrong. Liar. Taking all of this in, Nullet's mind was already fast at work. He saw an opportunity and took it asking Emperor Vachon if he might be dismissed to take care of some castle business, to which the Emperor replied, Of course. How Nullith's strange behavior had gone unchecked up to that point, I will never understand. But, alas, it did. Having heard all he needed to, he made his way down a side corridor and hit the hidden lever to open a secret passageway, where those like him waited. Sage, I'm sorry you think I'm trying to kill you. I am not. And, sire, if you think she won't be too much trouble for you to handle alone, I have business I really should be attending to also. Of course. And where do you think you're going? To visit my wife. 
The foothold that the cloaked demons had within the castle walls, that I mentioned earlier, nulleth was it, for as he made his way to the center of a hidden underground lair, several of the cloaked demons emerged from the shadows and gathered around him, many of them hanging back a ways, not liking the glowing light of the torch he held. It appears that my long-lasting human identity, Nulleth, though resented, has finally found us the bit of information that we seek. I have seen with my own eyes just moments ago one of the two prophesied women identify the Chosen One who has strength enough to lift our glorious leader Kentalia from the dimension of her exile. This woman, Sage, has told the Emperor that it is in fact Anastroph's great protector Rente that will kill herself and the Emperor and begin Kentalia's rebirth into this world. It was a notion that I myself felt as well. Banking on what I felt about Rente, I have already begun manipulating the situation to fit our own needs. What does this mean? Rente would never willingly kill the Emperor and free Kentalia because he is a good and loyal man. My time amongst the humans have taught me that they have one weakness, each other. It is their love for one another that will drive them to do extraordinary things. Two years ago, Rente was away from his home for a night, a home he had been sharing with his family. His little sister Talina decided to go to the village for a short time, leaving her parents and brother in the house. That gave me the perfect opportunity to sneak in and set the house on fire. When Rente returned home, the only family he had left was that little girl. What does that have to do with anything? Don't you see? With no one left in their family, their bond grew stronger and he would do anything to protect her life. We did, however, run into another little problem. One year after the unfortunate accident that killed his family, he met the woman he married, throwing my plan off a bit. I wasn't sure how to set it back on course, but then Rente gave me yet another perfect opportunity. His beloved wife died during childbirth, leaving him a son. So here we are now where Rente is tormented with guilt over his family. He would do anything for Talina and his child, a weakness from which we can feed. If I were to go to him, being that we're such <laughs> good friends, and tell him that I encountered an oracle that warned me of Talina's imminent demise, and then proceed to tell him that the only way to save her was Kentalia, you see? Everyone within the village knows the legend enough to know that she is evil and would never save another. Ah, but the oracle also said that the legends are wrong. That she was a great empress who was banished by the evil man in green so he could rule. He will never believe it. He'll believe it. When it comes down to the choice between Vershan's or Talina's life, he will do exactly what we want. Now be gone. I must think further on my plan. You have been listening to Kingdom of Darkness, Arc 1, The Legend of Kentalia, Episode 2, written, directed, and produced by Joshua J. Price. Additional sound engineering by Tanya Milevich. This episode featured the voice talents of Tanya Milevich as Mavikin, Nicole Robinson as Sage, Serena Carroll as Adrian, Amanda Furr as Sayeta, Matt Weller as Reante, Seth Bramwell as Nulleth, 
and special guest star Terry Cooper as Emperor Vershawn. Wallas include Carrie Michael Ayers, Rahul Karup, Joshua Price, and Carol Foley. Royalty-free music was obtained from composer Kai Hartwig. Other music from Gemendo.com. Sound effects gathered from the Free Sound Project, SoundSnap, SoundDogs, and Self-Produced. This radio drama falls under the 3.0 Creative Commons United States license. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for a family-friendly podcast preview you may enjoy. This has been a Lightning Bolt Theater of the Mind production. Hello, my name is Lauren Nelson, and I'm the creator of the latest addition to the Fake Crafters studio family, Worlds of Whimsy. This whole thing started when I fell in love with audio drama a few years back. I quickly realized, however, that though the shows I devoured were delightful, they were a little too adult for my eight-year-old. Finding few options that would hold the attention of my voracious little reader of fantasy, I decided to create something that she might like. Shortly thereafter, Worlds of Whimsy was born, an anthology of family-friendly, serialized, and standalone audio drama productions designed to inspire the imagination, as told by the wildly wonderful Professor Bixelby. Now, I think it's great, but don't take my word for it. Ask the good professor herself. It's quite right, Miss Nelson. Hello, everyone. My name is Professor um, uh, uh, Bixelby. Yes, yes, you have no reason to know me, I suppose, but you should, and you will. Yes, should you decide to have a cup of tea with me? Yes, my entire life has been a grand series of adventures, and as I grew older, I find myself rather forlorn that I'm the only one privy to this grandiose tales of magic and mayhem. <laughs> yes, uh, Miss Nelson has asked if I'd be willing to share them with all of you, and I must admit, I am simply brimming with excitement over the prospect. <laughs> yes, I am. And we are so lucky you are. Professor Bixelby will begin with the tale of... Me, Allison Annabella Andrews. Indeed, Allie is a... Hey! I got this. My apologies. Continue. Like I said, my name is Allison Annabella Andrews, but most people call me Allie. I'm 12 years old, sort of. One night I may or may not have disobeyed my Aunt Carol to investigate a series of mysterious lights in the woods. I met a few interesting folks. What in the name of sweet Aunt Calliope is this nonsense? Look what I found, Archibald. Looks like we got ourselves a little spy on our hands. Oh, don't mind them. They're just a little tense at the moment. My world was quickly turned inside out and upside down. And I don't want to spoil it for you, so I'll just tell you, there are ogres. Hey, watch where you're going. Bickering fairies. What were you thinking? There is nothing to do Magic! If you don't change that attitude, I, s- I will make you fart rainbows for a week! And all sorts of other such fantastical stuff. Absolutely. So join us this Tuesday for the very first episode of Worlds of Whimsy to learn more about this special Fate Crafters Studios production. Be sure to subscribe now so you don't forget. 
You can find the show wherever you find any of your other favorite podcasts. You can learn more about the wonderful shows associated with Fate Crafters Studios at fatecrafters.net and more about Worlds of Whimsy at whimsypod.com. You will also want to follow us on your favorite social media platforms to get extra bonus content and updates throughout the week. Worlds of Whimsy is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as WhimsyPod. And of course, you can always reach us at whimsypod at gmail.com. Until Tuesday, keep those imaginations on. And that's this week's show. As always, please take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes. We don't have a Patreon account or anything like that. All we want to do is get the word out about all the great entertainment of modern audio theatre. If you want to help us, an iTunes review is one of the very best ways. You could also email us at sonicsociety@gmail.com, or visit us at sonicsociety.org or the Facebook group or even on Twitter. We do really love to hear from you. And in fact, I did meet a couple of listeners out in the wild. Uh, There was one gentleman that came up to me in Minneapolis and said, by the way, I also listen to the Sonic Society. And Uh, it was great. It was one of those. That's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) So I hope it was catch and release since they were out in the wild. Yes, yes. (laughs) Only trapped them for a little while and let them back out to propagate the news. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And be sure to be here next week for the conclusion of Kingdom of Darkness. Until then, I'm Jack Bohr. And I'm David Alts. Good night. Good night. The Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Hey, Billy, why do you look so down? Aw, Dad, I got a computer, a PlayStation, and a barn full of iguanas, and I'm still bored. (sighs) Gee, Billy, when I was your age, I would read lots of stories in pulp magazines. Oh, with stories of weird adventure and fantasy, horror, satire, and lots of action. That sounds great, Dad! Yeah, I sure wish there was something like that right now. <laughs> there is Daddy-O! Who are you? I'm Dr. Mary Von Rocksprocket, host of the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour. And now there's... Yeah? Twisted Pulp Magazine! <laughs> What's that, Doctor? Why, it is a return to greatness! Available on all your digital devices. That is what it is. Look. Whoa, Dad, this looks awesome. Exciting and, dare I say it, very unwholesome. You definitely have that right, my good man. Ha <laughs> ha. Thanks, Dr. Mary. My pleasure, Billy. 
And just between you and me, I am not sure that this man is really your father. Bye. Dad? Uh, just read your Twisted Pulp magazine, Billy. Twisted Pulp magazine, available in dark alleyways behind meth labs everywhere or at digitalvaudeville.com. That is D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E dot com. <laughs>